Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, the seventh day of February 2014, and today we are reading from the big book. We're in the chapter, There is a Solution. We are on page 19, the last paragraph that begins, Of Necessity. And today's readers are 12 Steps Cheryl, 12 Traditions Rose, and then Sharon R.S., Kim, Katie, and Hoodie. And the share code for yesterday, Thursday, the 6th day of February, is 5877. 5877. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Cheryl to please read the 12 steps. Good morning. I'm Cheryl R. from Virginia, and I'm a compulsive overeater. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, We tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I pass. Thank you, Cheryl. And I will now ask Rose to please read the 12 traditions. 
Thank you, Monica. The Twelve Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Rose. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to the paragraphs we are reading. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today we are resuming our study of the big book. We're in the chapter, There is a Solution. We're on page 19, and we are beginning this morning with the very last paragraph that begins, Of Necessity. And I'm going to ask Sharon R.S. to please start the reading. Thank you, Monica. Good morning. Good morning to all of the visionaries on the phone. I am Sharon R.S., a recovered compulsive overeater. Of necessity, 
there will be there will have to be discussions of matters medical, psychiatric, social, and religious. We are aware that these matters are, from their very nature, controversial. Nothing would please us so much as to write a book which would contain no basis for contention or argument. We shall do our utmost to achieve that ideal. Most of us sense that real tolerance of other people's shortcomings and viewpoints and a respect for their opinions are attitudes which make us more useful to others. Our very lives as ex-problem drinkers depend upon our constant thought of others and how we may help meet their needs. Wow, that's good stuff there. I want to read the long form of the first tradition. Uh, It's on page 563. Each member of Alcoholics Anonymous is but a small part of a great whole. AA must continue to live or most of us will surely die. Hence, our common welfare comes first. But individual welfare follows close afterward. So our group is, is most important with our own individual following close behind. So that identifies our our priorities, our group first and with our individuals close behind. Why is that? Because if the group dies, we all die. We must stick together. And I had a sponsee and, and she's okay with me sharing this with you. But I have a sponsor because I still have her. And after I'd been working with her for a while, I realized that she was only doing phone meetings. And she was a per- she's a person who is lives alone. Her children are grown, living, not living locally. And so she lived in an area where there were many meetings yet she only was doing the phone meeting. And I had talked to her previously about that the necessity of going to meetings. But she and she was working hard on the phone meetings, really working her program hard and and doing service. And but I said, if you're gonna work with me, you must go to a face to face meeting. Oh, but the meeting is dying, the meeting's not this, the meeting's not that. You go and you work your program in your meeting, it's essential. I have to tell you that this sponsee was always crying about loneliness. That was a big thing for her. And 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 a lot of other issues. And she got sick, and I was concerned because she always said she didn't have friends and she didn't have uh, anyone to help her. And I was concerned because she was very ill. And I said, and I'm very busy. I couldn't go over to help her. I said, what are you going to do? She says, oh, the women from, the people from my meeting will help me. Just so matter-of-factly. Now, this was, this is a year or so after I had insisted, regardless of what's going on in that meeting, you must go. And, and it was essential. 
And part of the reason I insist upon that is because a lot of times we are so prickly in our relationships with other people that we're pricking them all over the place and they're getting irritated and and we're getting irritated because they're irritated and we have our own issues. And it's so important. Iron sharpens iron. When we work together with other compulsive overeaters, we get our rough edges rubbed off. We help one another. And in addition to that, the big book it says this is a we program. And by having that group, it's a place where other compulsive overeaters can come. Now, we also have this phone meeting, and this is a great gift. This doesn't take away from that. But it is so important that we work together on our relationships. If our meeting is, people are, are, there are many things that can be done to work through those issues. But we are, we are isolators by nature. We need to learn to work together with other people. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? Barbara. This is Paula. Mm-hmm. Okay, I heard Barbara. I think Paula. I heard I- Irini and Paula. Okay, Barbara, you're up first. And then Irini and then Paula. Go ahead. And Amy. And Amy. All right. Gotcha. Go ahead, Barbara. Thank you. This is Barbara, recovered compulsive overeater. I read these words over many times of necessity. There will have to be discussions of matters medical, psychiatric, social, and religious. And one of the reasons that I go over it so much is the fact that, first of all, personally, I saw that just the medical approach didn't help me with compulsive overeating. Just efforts at psychiatric psychiatric solutions didn't help me. Social involvement didn't help me. And very fervent religious practices didn't help me alone. I needed the 12-step way of life. I needed the principles of recovery from the, quote, phenomenon of craving that kept getting into motion. I needed that combination just as the Oxford movement didn't work alone, but the spiritual practices combined with, as it says, a practical program of action is the solution. There is a solution. So the combination and inclusion of all of these things, for me, I've seen, must be united with the 12-step way of life and the principles of recovery as we're going over over them in the big book. But at the same time, it also makes me aware that, as it says, you know, love and tolerance is our code. So I can't proclaim myself any kind of medical expert as we work together in the program. I can't proclaim my religious practices as the only way. And if it had been the only way, why would Bill so wisely have said, God as I understand God, God as I understand him. He knew that it would be a, a kiss of death to put on that this is the only way. And therefore, this you know, this 12-step way of life can appeal to anyone, any national background, any religious practice. I mean, it is universal for everyone. So I find that this is so uh, essential for me to look at 
both for my own um, continuing uh, way of life and for my relationships within the fellowship and, and within the world. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Barbara. Irini, you're next. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Well, I was called on the line to, um, I was being nudged by God to share something with you. That relationships, that's what life's all about, is about relationships. It's about being connected to other people. Because without that, we can't really live with within with isolation. So we need each other in every way, because that's how that's how through relationships <clears throat> we're able to express different levels of love. And we need that. We're wired just like we need water and we need food. We need each other. We cannot do this on our own. We cannot live on our own. And the best expression of love is to spend time with other people, is to give of your time to them, is to make a difference. What can I do for you? Because that's our most precious thing is time. And um, I just wanted to share that with you. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Irini. And Paula, you're up. Thank you. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Rita. You know, I want to come down to that, scoop right on down to the bottom of the page on that line. Most of us sense. Oh, well, let me go to step uh, one line before. We shall do our utmost to achieve the that ideal. That ideal. To write a book which would contain no basis of contention or argument. Utmost means everything you got, honey. Everything you got. Of other people's shortcomings and viewpoints and respect. Look at the words he uses. A respect for their opinions and our attitudes which make us more useful to others. If you come alongside... Come alongside them, not behind them, pushing them, or in front of them, pulling them. Then we become more useful to others. You know, Bill W. quoted uh, Abraham Lincoln, and I'll use the quote exactly as he said it. Good is the enemy of the best. How often I would say, well, that's good enough. I tolerate them. No, it isn't. That's not good enough. Tolerance comes with love. And love changes it all. And then it says, our very lives. He minces no words here. As X, don't you love it? X problem drinkers. I knew it before the X. And I live in it now. Depend upon our constant thought of others. And how we may help meet their needs. They're the transformation. Thank you for allowing me to share and with that I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Amy, you're next. 
Good morning. My name is Amy. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. I'd like to go down to the last sentence here at the beginning of page 20. Our lives as ex-problem drinkers depend upon our constant thought of others and how we may help meet their needs. Uh, That's such a powerful sentence. I mean, let's review what we've been talking about over the last few days. I mean, these first 100 are overcome by the reflection that close by hundreds are dropping into oblivion every day, and many could recover if they had the opportunity, which we have enjoyed. I mean, this whole this whole chapter that you know these men had found a common solution, a solution that works, and they were overcome, knowing that in order to stay sober themselves, they needed to carry the message, and they were on fire because they knew that this solution had worked. You know, my sponsor used to always say it's a common solution. There's not a secret combination. If we are honest, open, and willing, and get down to the business of putting the food down and working these steps and carrying this message. We have a solution that works. You know, they say equal opportunity to disease. It's an equal opportunity recovery program. doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, if you're agnostic or atheist. They had covered it all by the first 100, and they had all sorts of walks of life, and they had recovered. And so they write this book, and they're saying, we have hope. We have a solution. The answer is here. If you have the problem we have, then the solution is here. And that our very lives depend upon carrying this message. So it was twofold. They desperately wanted to let other people know that there was a recovery out there. And they knew that in order to stay sober themselves, you know, they had to carry the message. And we've been talking about the statistics of obesity and, you know, and I'm overcome with, with wanting to carry that message. But where do we carry that message? Someone, someone yesterday said, said, I believe, well, I don't remember who it was exactly, said, you know, I may be the only walking, talking big book that if someone ever sees or hears. And, I, and so where do we carry that message? We carry that message in the Overeaters Anonymous meeting. I don't know about you all, but that's where we go to carry the message. I'm talking to the recovered person here. I mean, I don't know about you all, but I spent five years in Overeaters Anonymous meetings, and I never heard about the twofold nature of the disease. I mean, there's hundreds of people on the line today. This, this vision for you meaning is an absolute blessing and a miracle. We're exploding in growth. Why? Because we carry the message, this big book message of depth and weight that explains the problem and then gives a solution. And we as recovered folk need to bring that back to the meetings, to the meetings that are weak and dying, where the, where the statistics of obesity and chronic relapse are prevalent in our Overeaters Anonymous meeting. And myself needs to take myself to that meeting, big book in hand, and carry this message, the problem, and then the solution. We may be the only walking, talking big book. I need to do it for myself because I want to stay sober. Talk about that tradition of the common welfare. If there's no Overeaters Anonymous meeting, where will we be? I need to be able to carry that message, of course, with love and tolerance and acceptance of all walks in life that are in the meeting, whether recovered, whether not, whether black, whether white, whether Christian, whether Jewish, whatever. Love and tolerance is my code, without a doubt. But I must carry a strong and a recovered message. My life depends upon it. Our group depends upon it. And I pray that we continue that I carry that message. 
I am overcome with the solution that is available to us all. The hope is here, folks. The recovery is here for. Let's get the message out there. Our lives depend upon it. Or I will say my life. My life as a recovered compulsive overeater depends upon it. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy. And would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is a from Boston. <laughs> okay, I heard Bella. Lorna. I heard Lorna. From Lauren. I heard, wait a minute, wait a minute. I heard Katie G. Okay, I heard Bella, Lauren, Katie G. And who else? Jackie. Liz. Jackie and Liz. All right, let's get started with Bella. Go ahead. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Monica, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. I love this paragraph. It teaches me black and white um, how can I live a quality life. Yes, before the program, I didn't know, I really didn't know how to be with other people without arguments, without being selfish and insisting everybody to feel my way to do my way. But now I am personally not a fight person, so I decided there is a black and white thinking. So if I cannot be with people without fighting and arguing, so maybe the best thing is to be alone. And there is when I found myself most of the time uh, isolated and living alone and by myself. And yes, I didn't come with arguments and with fight, but I didn't know who I am. Who I am, where I am, I didn't know. I just didn't live. I was maybe physically living, but definitely not emotionally. Emotionally, spiritually, I was dead. And now, thank God, thank God I am in the program, and it teach me, first of all, the purpose of the program is the we. Now, it's very interesting. How can we be together? We are so different in, in religion, in sex, in, in, in uh, mentality, in everything. We are so different, and this is the opportunity to argue and to fight, but not. Wait a minute, wait a minute. We are a we program. It means that we are all children of God. We are all sharing the same Father. Yes, we are all very unique in our, in our way of living. We are sharing the same Father, the same loving and caring Father. And yes, this higher power, that I am calling him God, he has, he is higher than myself. So he has room for me and for you at the same time. He is listening to me and to you at the same exact time. I don't have to argue with you. I don't have to fight with you. I just have to respect you. Now, how I can respect you when the program Thank God is teaching me the rules. Well, Bella, you are human. You have your own limitations. And I, I am here in the program, and I accept and admit that I don't know everything. 
I don't know everything all the time. I am here to learn, to learn new things, new way of thinking, new behaviors. And I am here to share my experience, strength, and hope, and to listen your experience, strength, and hope. I, I, I am here not to prove myself, not to prove my existence. I am here to, to serve God. I am here only a messenger. I don't want to give over my message. I am here to give over God's message. message. What God is, wants for me. Thy will, not mine, be done. This is the purpose of the program. And here when I, I have the tools to live in quality, to live in freedom, not to live in my own jail. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Lauren, you're next. Thank you. Lauren S. from Pittsburgh, recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, I think we have to remember where our whole program came from. Here it says matters medical. We would not have the first step without a medical saint. Dr. Selkworth was not an alcoholic. He worked with 40 to 50,000 alcoholics, I heard. Bill Wilson might have been the first alcoholic to use Dr. Silkworth's description of the allergy and the obsession. Dr. Silkworth might have told other alcoholics that description, but Bill took that description, and that's when he fully reread that paragraph in Bill's story. He felt that bitter morass of self-pity. Matters religious and social. Bill Wilson, when he, after he found the problem and he surrendered, he still picked up and drank. He still drank. And then he saw Ebby, a living and breathing example of someone who has recovered. And Ebby shared with Bill the solution because Bill at that point just had the problem. And Ebby got this solution of a simple religious idea and a practical program of action. The practical program of action came from a, a religious group who were not alcoholics. So we owe this non-alcoholic group our practical program, which is steps 3 to 12, and then steps 2. Step 2 came from a non-alcoholic man named Carl Jung, who offered the solution that only a complete psychic change could relieve us of our obsession. A psychiatric man was not alcoholic. So I think it is so important. We garnered our whole entire program that only works from one alcoholic to another, one compulsive overeater to another, from individuals who were not alcoholic. It's a, it's a miracle. Non-alcoholics understood our problem, they understood our solution, and they understood how to get there. But it only worked from people who are alcoholic and compulsive overeater. That just blows my mind away. And then when it says how we may help meet their needs. I wrote my book, this doesn't say I have the ability to think less of myself. Absolutely not. That's me trying to run the show. Only God has that ability. It says that I must be at a place where I can think more of others rather than constantly thinking of myself. Focusing on my own problems rarely helped as much. And as is so 
beautifully touched. Oh, how do I have the ability to think more of others? That's the complete psychic change. As as someone blew my mind away in a meeting a couple weeks ago, he said, listen, if the problem we found is not food, is not alcohol, is selfishness, selfishness is the root of our problem, it says, and we'll get there in a, in a few pages. What's the solution? He said, well, perhaps the solution is not thinking of myself. Perhaps it's selflessness. And I think that the complete psychic change is what gives us, is, is what allows us to be completely selfless. But that's only through a higher power, a, a, a loving God. That's, I'm not running the show. My beautiful God is running my show as much as I allow him to. Uh, thank you, I'll pass. Thank you, Lauren. Katie G, you're next. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G, recovered compulsive overeater from Boston, Mass. And, um, you know, it says that we are aware that these matters are, from their very nature, controversial, which is an argument that involves many people who strongly disagree. And <laughs> I don't know about you, but I came in swinging. I mean, I came in fighting, and I was fighting you, and I was fighting everybody else, and I was fighting God, and I was a controversy. If you said yes, I said no. If I, if you said no, I said yes. And I didn't understand that if people were doing things differently than me or people, you know, that 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 things could coexist, that I didn't have to rip you out and take you down and prove to you that I somehow have the answers to be in existence. And I was in constant judgment of everybody. What is a resentment? It's a judgment. I was constantly, you know, like I remember in college when I was active, completely active, I used to say, you know, I hate people. And people that were around me would look at me confused. And I'm like, oh, you don't count. You're not a person. You know, and what it's saying is that real tolerance of other people's shortcomings and viewpoints and respect, which means to hold in high regard about their opinions and attitudes, make us more useful to others. So not just that I'm going to try, oh, yeah, this is your opinion, and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, you know, look the other way and maybe try and, 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 like, you know, I don't know, just prove you wrong somehow. Like, I don't have to be threatened by other people's existence today. You know, and that my very life as an ex-problem eater is to put other people first. You know, I mean, I love there is one solution. That's what this chapter is called. There is a solution. A is one. And we are on that ship, but we're not in the, you know, captain, you know, we're not, we don't have a captain's position anymore, or we're not stowaways anymore. We are being rescued. We're in the water being rescued. And these issues about, that I was fighting about, you know, the disease, is, the disease made me willing to stop fighting. I didn't care. You know, I finally didn't care. And I stopped being threatened and judging other people. And that, to me, has been an entire psychic change, that I can coexist with other people, that I can be one among many with other people, and that I don't need to fight. I don't need to fight 
You know, I don't need to worry who's got my back at the end of the day if I'm not out there trying to get my teeth. You know, and that is my entire psychic change. And everybody would make me mad when I came in. And I didn't, it took a lot of, you know, it took a lot of fighting and a lot, excuse me, a lot of struggling to give up the fight against other people. You know, and today I I don't have to fight. You know, I'm not threatened by other people. I'm okay today just as I am. And the only way I started knowing how to do that was putting down the food that was killing me and having an entire psychic change, which the only way I could do that was getting unblocked by self. And that was looking at the exact nature of my wrongs through through step four, looking at my selfishness, my dishonesty, my resentment, and my fear and without I pass. Thank you, Katie. Jackie, you're next. Hi, this is Liz from New Hampshire. Um, um, Jackie, hold on a second. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Jackie, are you there? Star one to unmute, and then it'll be Liz. Okay, go ahead, Liz. Yes, uh, this is Jackie. Okay, Jackie, go ahead. <laughs> go okay. ahead, Jackie. The, the part that stick out most for me is where it says, most of us sense that real tolerance of other people's shortcomings and viewpoints and a respect for their opinions are attitudes which make us um, more useful to others. And what I really like about this, and, and I underline respect for their opinion, what that means to me is you respect the person, you respect what they think, how they think. Because I've come to know when I was into the food, I was a true addict. I, I, I had a sponsor who I thought understood me, and, 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 and this brings up a, a point where when I was really into the food, I would go to a quick trip and buy 10 packs of this uh, uh, spongy stuff that had the chewy stuff that had uh, uh, blue stuff in the middle. <clears throat> and because I liked the things in volumes, I would chew it all, and I knew I was on my way to a meeting. That, see, that was my shortcoming. And I met up with my sponsor with a blue tongue, and it looked like a smurf, and I mean it was a deep blue. And that was my shortcomings, and my teeth was blue, everything. I was a true addict at that time. And because I was a true addict, I felt like she didn't have the tolerance of the patients to deal with me. I didn't really know that I had the phenomenon of craving. I didn't know what was going on with me, but I knew I needed to seek help. And what they're saying we respect the people's shortcomings, their viewpoints. So what that tells me is at some point I had to humble myself because I know I'm coming up on sponsoring someone. I know I'm going to meet other people who have shortcomings. And because I was the worst at it, it took me seven years to get this, seven, seven years to understand Jackie. But through the grace of God, I had my spiritual awakening by coming to this meeting. Someone reached out to help me. And I got my spiritual experience. I no longer have to go into a meeting with my tongue dyed down blue like I'm singing that that Smurf song and my teeth all covered up blue because I know when I talk to another addict, I can hear the sound bites and the key words that they say to me. And I have to respect that addict because guess what? I know now that person is going to always remind me of what I used to be like. And it tells me this on page 84. It says, we would intuitively know 
how to handle situations with, that used to baffle us. See, I know now. I'll be able to reach out and help someone else because now I'm humble enough to understand what's going on with that person because that person is mirroring, mirroring an effect that I once had. See, so now I can reach out and truly, truly explain to a person how I got it. Because like someone said, there is a solution, meaning one solution. I know today that I will be able to help someone when it's my time to sponsor. I will respect their viewpoints, but also turn a wrong into a right in a, gent in a gentle, soft, and easy a way for that person to understand it. Not so that they can stay where they are, but where they can understand how this program works and why we have the problems that we have and how we can recover from these problems. And uh, I know today that I am on the right path. I thank the God of my understanding. I told my sponsor the other day that when God was in the car with me, I used to make him get in the back seat. And this is what he told me. He said, well, Jack, if you want to drive, go ahead and drive. But remember, I have all powers. You're powerless, but I have all powers. So when I drove, I crashed and burned. And this is what I learned to say, Jesus, take the wheel. For this is not for me to do. I can't control my own destiny. because." Sometimes I'm in an unconscious state. Sometimes I'm in a state of mind to where I can think. So today I have learned how to be a backseat uh, passenger. I have learned how to uh, view the sights and love the path that Jesus has taken me on. That, that's my, the God of my understanding. And I can truly say thank you. Today I can tell my higher power thank you. Thank you for freeing me from bondage of self, self-pity. I can truly say thank you. Thank you for the sponsors that have came into my life to help me to see my own shortcomings. Thank you. And I thank the people on this phone today for helping me to see it. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Jackie. And Liz, you're next. Our one to unmute, Liz. Hi, it's Liz. Thank you, Monica. I just want to quickly go to the, the last sentence. Uh, most of us sense that real tolerance. I, I've spent my whole life being right. I'm always right. Uh, I'm right. You're wrong. Um, I will prove it. I will go to the greatest lengths to prove it. Um, my opinion's right. My attitude is right. My viewpoints are right. And what I'm thankfully learning as I go through this process of recovery is that not only am I not always right, but I don't need to be right. Um, it is a tremendous relief to find out that um, I'm not and I don't need to be and uh, that um, it is far more important that I learn to tolerate and have respect for others and for others um, shortcomings, but also to understand my own. And that's the most important thing, that I come to understand my own. Um, and I'm very grateful for people who have shared about going to face-to-face -face meetings because I've moved to a new town in August and had to spend three and a half months recovering from 
an injury, so I met I've met no one, and I know no one in this town. But there are three face-to-face meetings that I have avoided going to, and having listened to what has been shared about going to face-to-face meetings, I realized I have to. Um, I have to meet people. I have to meet meet people in my own town, but I have to show up and be present and be someone who can talk about what I'm learning here. Uh, it is a service. It's an important service, and it's actually one that I would like to give. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Liz. And let's move on to the next paragraph. And Kim, would you read, please? Oh, sorry. Thanks. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thanks, Monica. You may already have asked yourself why it is that all of us become so very ill from drinking. Doubtless, you are curious to discover how and why, in the face of expert opinion to the contrary, we have recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body. If you are an alcoholic who wants to get over it, you may already be asking, what do I have to do? And good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. And I'm going to focus in on that sentence that says if again, because once again, if is a condition. It's a powerful, if this is true, then this happens. If then statements. So if you are an alcoholic, so we have to ask ourselves, do we understand what a compulsive overeater is, and do we identify in? Do we fully concede that we have this allergy of the body that will never change? And the only relief the doctor had to recommend was entire absence. The only relief they had to suggest is entire absence. So do we believe, fully concede that we have this allergy of the body? And greater, do we believe that we have this obsession of the mind? Do we believe that willpower, human aid, will not be able to stop us when this mental blank spot happens that tells us it is okay to eat the food? Do we fully concede that? And then it says who wants to get over it. Do you really want to get over it? Or are you coming in because you have a wedding to go to over the summer and you really want to look good for the rest of your family? Or do you want your husband to get off your back? Do you want to lose 30 or 40 pounds? Do you want your doctor to get off your back because you have high blood pressure? Do you want to recover or do you, are you looking for a way to get people off your back and are you looking for a temporary respite? So those are very important questions if you are an alcoholic. And do you want to get over it? And unfortunately, I don't think this is, you know, like I said yesterday, I don't think it's taught very well. And unfortunately, I think there's almost contradictions. And I want to say this in a gentle and loving way, since we're talking about face-to-face meetings, as well as, you know, the solution being in there. Is it a solution-based meeting? But unfortunately, there's some factions of the way that teach us we don't have an allergy of the body. It's only an obsession of the mind. You have other factions that tell us, no, 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 all you need to do is moderate your binge foods. You don't need to give up all your foods. If you keep, if you just moderate, you should be fine. Or you know what? Abstinence is the only answer. Don't worry about the steps. Just, just hang out. The fellowship will keep you safe. Those are dangerous messages to a true compulsive overeater. We're going to learn shortly about the moderate eater and the heavy eater. Those solutions may work. You know, diet programs really do work. Diet programs work if you're not a compulsive overeater because moderate exercise and calorie intake will help you get thin. 
But if you are a compulsive overeater, if you're as seriously alcoholic as I am, if you have an allergy of the body, which means when you ingest certain substances, you can never reasonably predict how much you're going to have because you have a phenomenon of craving. And if you have this obsession of the mind, then no matter how long you keep on guard, that mental blind spot will convince you to eat again. A conventional diet program will not work for you. But if you do not have that, it will. So that's why it's so essential that we understand the difference between the moderate eater, the heavy eater, and the true compulsive overeater. Because if you are a moderate eater, if you are a heavy eater, you know, we, we can recommend a lot of diet programs. There's nutritionists, there's gyms, there's diet programs out there that can help you. And our hats are off to you. Fantastic. But if you are an alcoholic, and if you truly want to get over this, if you are at that point, then we're going to be asking, what do I have to do? And it's at that point when that question is asked that we can present to you the solution and the plan of action, which has worked for the last 78 years to help thousands upon thousands upon millions compulsive overeaters, alcoholics, drug addicts, gamblers, sex addicts recover. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. And this is Monica, and I'd like to yeah, say a couple of words sure. here. Um, yeah. Hold on a second here. Wait a minute. Yael. And I and heard Nan. someone out. Pardon? Sure. Okay, that, we're getting close on time. So Yael and Nancy. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Monica, for your service. This is Yael, compulsive overeater, currently in West Palm Beach, Florida, but uh, originally from, I just see our vacation, originally from uh, living in Israel right now. Um, I just wanted to share a little bit on um, what was said before with the selfishness, how um, one form of the selfishness, and I know this has been said in meetings before, but I just want to emphasize it because it hit so it hit home to me so much, was about um, a lot of people see the selfishness as when, you know, I think I'm better than and I always have to be right and all these things. And for me, the selfishness manifested actually in the quite opposite, where I was never right, I was always at fault, and I was always, you know, uh, I always kept quiet not to create controversy. And um, this program has helped me find my voice in a kind and loving and patient way um, where it's okay also for me to speak up um, and say my part and then let it go. And, um, you know, that's still the form of uh, self-absorbedness. Absorbedness? Is that a... <laughs> I don't know that's a word, sorry. Self-absorbed in my, in, my, in my thinking, in my actions where I would just swallow the food to keep myself quiet. So um, so anyone out there, you don't have to think that the selfishness is over. It's only an overinflated ego. It's also a deflated, well, not deflated ego, but I guess a, uh, it's still considered selfishness when we think we're not good enough and we're not enough because we're still absorbed in self. Thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you, Yael. Nancy, go ahead. Thank you so much. Hi, my name is Nancy. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, abstinent and grateful. Uh, for another day, uh, and I want to express gratitude to 
visions for you. I have grown so. Uh, my program has been strengthened. And I want to speak to the phrase, we have recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body. I, um, I'm i just so grateful because um, the recovery transcends not just to my compulsive overeating, but to the way I live my life. I've lived in a... Um, major city all of my life, and now I have uh, gotten married and I live in a very small town. And so last week I went to a face-to-face meeting. And because I am uh, recovered and I'm working a program to the best of my ability and listening to this meeting, I, um, I left my judgment. I left my judgmental attitude at the door. The meeting was totally different from, any, from the meetings I'm accustomed to attending in my hometown. And I prayed uh, to be open to what was being offered. And uh, I have to do that in my uh, uh, interactions with people outside the rooms also uh, because I'm quick to uh, turn off opinions of others. Uh, I have a terminal degree, and usually I'm, I uh, have more education than most people that I'm around, and I have I have grown to understand that that you know all all of my degrees could not stop my compulsive overeating, and that everybody opinion is of value. I might not agree with it, but everybody's opinion is of value. So I'm just so grateful. This program is helping me to um, recover mind and body. I've been freed from an obsession that tried to kill me. And just to be free to have a wonderful sponsor and to have wonderful sponsees that I look forward to um is my life is my life has changed in in ways I could never have imagined in a way that I never imagined. I never imagined living in this little small town, but once I turned my life and my will over to my higher power, I got married for the first time at sixty nine um I'm enjoying life. Uh, the promises are true if I'm willing to uh, do what the book has directed me to do. So thank you so much for letting me share, and thank you for your service. Thank you, Nancy. And this is Monica, and I'm going to step in here and say a few words, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. So it says, doubtless you are curious to discover how and why, in the face of expert opinion to the contrary, We have recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body. Now, we have to understand here when this book was written and published back in 1939, if you were a real alcoholic, there was no solution. If you were a real alcoholic, you were going to probably end up in jail or in an asylum or dead. There was nothing about being recovered There was nothing about being able to change. And here they are saying, well, you must be curious about this, you know. And we are talking here, we're saying we're recovered. And I think this recovered is about the ninth time, I could be wrong on that, the ninth time by page 20 that we are being told recovered. And what is recovered? They have changed. They've had a spiritual awakening a personality change that has changed their thinking, their attitudes, and their behavior. They're not what they used to be. 
Alcohol is not the problem. Food is not the problem. From a hopeless condition of mind and body. I don't know about you, but when I walked in these rooms, I was in a hopeless condition, mind and body. It was pretty bleak and black and horrible and depressing. Thank you, God, for those who could say, there's a solution, and that's what this chapter is about. There is a solution. For all of you out there, hope. For those of us who have followed this path, who have walked this path before you, we know what's on the other side of the door. We've gone through there. Come on along with us. And if you're saying, we hope you're ready to be asking, what do I have to do? We've got a solution. And this book is going to tell you step by step how to do it and how to get this recovery and no longer have to be in a hopeless state of mind and body. Yeehaw! And with that, we've run out of time this morning. And I would like to thank everyone who has shared. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Katie, could you read that for us, please? I can, Monica. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you, Katie.